I Love Mortgage Brokering, episode 145. The only podcast for brokers by brokers. I Love Mortgage Brokering will inspire you to up your mortgage business. Join your host, Scott Peckford. Hey, Broker Nation, Scott Peckford here from Island Mortgage Brokering. Today on the show, I have Melanie Tallyferro. Melanie is part of SWBC Mortgage Company. She's based out of Austin, Texas. We're doing a series of episodes with loan officers, and so Melanie is the first one that we're having on. And I decided that I wanted to interview loan officers from the U.S. because I found that even though there's some differences, obviously, in the products that they provide compared to mortgage brokering in Canada, there's still a lot of business building advice and a lot of the good you know, marketing strategies come out of the US. So I thought, why don't we just go to the source? And so we're doing a series with LOs, which I'm pretty stoked about. And Melanie's the first one. She's been a loan officer for 15 years, started as a processor and is now a branch manager. So uh, originates her own loans. Plus she also helps out her team. Uh, she was an NCAA volleyball player and she relates how your attitude, on, whether you're on the court or on the bench can help either help or hinder your team. I think it's fantastic advice. She's a core training program graduate, which is not an easy thing to do. And she shares some advice on questions you need to ask if you're looking for a mortgage company to go work for, or you're thinking, hey, maybe this is the right company. So I think she has some awesome advice for that. She's a fantastic interview. Melanie was lots of fun to chat with. I hope you enjoy this episode. This episode is sponsored by adlawappraisals.com. They're a full service real estate appraisal firm located in Vancouver, BC. They appraise residential and commercial properties throughout the entire lower mainland. I did some background checking on Adam and the crew and brokers tell me they were fast, efficient, and now approved with most banks, credit unions, and B lenders. They've invested in various technologies to ensure quick turnarounds and they have a, this executive home appraisal price doesn't kick into over 1.5 million, which helps keep costs down for borrowers. And rental estimates are always free. Letters of transmittals, the first one is free. And they're a huge supporter of our community. So if you need an appraisal in the Lower Mainland, tell them you heard about them at Isle of Mortgage Brokering. Use ILMB50 and you'll get $50 off any one full service appraisal. So check them out at adlawappraisals.com. This episode is also sponsored by Pioneer West Acceptance Corp. Pioneer West is a private lender in BC, Alberta. Now, normally we have sponsors for the show. It's because I personally use their product or service. I can give it a 100% recommendation. In this case, it's a little different because I don't do B deals. So I did some background checking on the crew at Pioneer West, and I found that everyone said they were fast, down to earth, and underwrote deals if they made sense, which is exactly what you're looking for in a B lender. Another cool thing about Pioneer West is they're really fast. In most cases, they're able to give you an answer in 24 hours or less. So if you're a broker looking for a, your next B deal in BC or Alberta, check out Pioneer West. Tell them you heard about them out of mortgage brokering and check them out at pioneerwest.com and check out this interview with Melanie. I think you're going to love it. Hey, Melanie, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you very much. Happy to be here. So can you just tell me a little bit about yourself and your business? Sure. I've been in the mortgage business for starting my 15th year, and I've been everything from a processor to an operations manager to a loan officer, and now I'm producing branch manager. Originally from San Antonio, grew up there, and came to Austin after college, and just been doing mortgages ever since. And so when you started out as a processor, did you ever think that you would eventually be an LO, especially an LO, like a managing a branch and stuff? Or was was that on your radar or is this something you kind of grew into? It was such an interesting time when I first got into the business. It was like when everyone was getting into the mortgage business. So I actually got my loan officer license like immediately and I originated some, but I didn't feel as confident 
originating because I'm wanted to understand how loans worked and I was more attracted to and more comfortable with the operation side of things, the processing and, you know, learning about loans and, and guidelines and all that stuff. I just really gravitated more towards that at the beginning. And, you know, I didn't really think at the beginning that I would end up, you know, in the role I'm in now. But to be honest with you, at that time, I didn't know anything. I started with like zero knowledge of what was going on. And I was just ordering title commitments. Right. And I didn't know what a title commitment was. And so it was like a total baptism by fire type introduction. And it felt like the baptism just continued <laughs> for years and years, you know. I think it's still happening. So how long, just so our listeners understand, so how long were you working in the processing side before you started to really make going out and finding your own loans a more a bigger part of your business or your job? About, it was like between six and seven years before I started solely originating loans. That was in 2009 that I switched over to that. And how do you think it's helped you in terms of being a better originator because you learned the processing side first? Do you think, like what kind of things do you have you taken with you into the other role? I mean, I think honestly, if I could get, I mean, that's the best thing I could have done as far as becoming an originator. When you know how the backside of loans works, you know how to process loans, you know what an underwriter is looking for. It really helps you do a better job when you're putting a loan package together because you know what it's like when someone hands you one that's bad, you know? And so it, I think it, it's probably the best thing I, I did for myself was stay in that and bringing that into my into my business has been huge. Right. It's been really helpful for you. So because I don't think everybody, not every processor would make a good originator, just like not every originator would make a good processor. Would you agree with that or what? I would definitely agree with that. But I will say that some of the best loan officers I know started as processors. Right. But you're right. You typically aren't the same personalities that thrive in those different roles. Yeah, that's what's kind of interesting about how you, your story is that you didn't, you, some people gravitate very much to one or the other, and you sort of grow, grew into both. So before we dive into the rest of your story, I always like to ask about a quote that's had an impact on your life or business. I happen to love quotes. So is there one that's really impacted you? Uh, yes, absolutely. It's posted all over the place. We rise by lifting others. I think that's Robert Ingersoll. So how do you apply that particular, we rise by lifting others to your day-to-day -day business? I think that when you're on any sort of team... Keep in mind, I was a, I've been a lifelong athlete, a volleyball player. And, you know, on any team, you never know what your role is going to be. Sometimes you're the star. Sometimes you're on the bench. Sometimes you're injured. Whatever, whatever, whatever. But you can always lift up the people around you in one way or another. And I feel like not just in my business, but in my life, I try to live by that quote. And, you know, that's just that concept of paying it forward and trying to put yourself in other people's shoes. And when you put others before yourself and, and when you are a good teammate, you know, we all win together, just like we all lose together. But when you focus on others and you lead with love, which is what another uh, phrase I love, I think that it just creates the, you know, really awesome environment to come to every day. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Did you see, uh, this is sort of a side thing, but I saw this, some, a coach NCAA coach remember who he was but he was saying that he watches how the players are on the bench and if they have a bad attitude on the bench he never lets them play he's like we watch you and if you're you know not engaging and not cheering on your team then you will never get on the court and I was like oh that's like 
so it's kind of like what you're saying. It doesn't matter where you are, if whether you're the star of the team right now or you're sitting on the bench, you can still lift the team by your attitude. Absolutely. I appreciate that a lot. I The whole concept of being on the bench, college athletics is a, is a humbling experience when you're used to being a star as in a high school, at a high school level, and you go to the next level when everyone's really good and sitting on the bench is foreign to you. You either got to embrace it and be like, hey, I, I'm still a part of the team. I'm still important. I, I still have value and to celebrate your role on the team or you're going to be a miserable person. Right. <laughs> on my bench, we made up dances and we acted crazy. And to this day, my college volleyball team still does those dances. That's awesome. That might be my greatest contribution to the planet. Right. Is the, the volleyball <laughs> The volleyball bench dance. Bench dance. That's we were awesome. famous. Yeah. So that's awesome. So can you share something? I know talking to people in the mortgage business or in, in any business, there's failure happens, but it's never fatal. And looking back, there's always a lesson. Can you share something you failed at and the lesson you learned? I failed at plenty. I would say that I've learned, most lessons I've learned were in choosing a company and what, what I thought was important and the questions that I didn't ask. What did, Say so when you first started out, what were the things you were looking for? And now how would you approach that? Yeah. So when I first started, I, I didn't really know what mortgage was. So I just started calling mortgage companies and they were, you know, I got a job. I didn't know anything to even ask except, are you a mortgage company? So then over time, you know, having worked now for multiple companies, you know, some of the things, the questions or the things I thought mattered really don't matter. And I would say the biggest ones are, you know, operations and the ability to get loans done, to not be like the underwriting process and closing process, that being smooth and the, the people who are handling the loans at that point being super confident and super helpful is probably the number one most valuable thing a company can give. Uh, to a loan officer. How would you find out that though? So if you're, let's pretend you're a loan officer who's kind of right now sitting in this going, okay, where do I go? What kind of questions can you ask to try to determine if this company would actually have that sort of support like you're saying? Sure. First of all, I would talk to at least five, six, eight, ten loan officers that work at the company, different locations, different levels. I'd be honest. I'll be honest if people ask me, hey, what's good, what's bad? But ask the people who work there. And then as far as the company's concerned, I, I would say I want to see, you know, 10 or 20 underwriting approvals. I want to see what the conditions look like on conventional FHA, VA, Jumbo, because you can tell a lot, actually, by if a slam dunk loan has 10 conditions. To me, that's like a big red flag. Mm -hmm. They, Yeah, they want you to like pee in a cup and a whole bunch of other like crazy. You're like, what? We've already made the client pee in a cup, you know? So let's just, can we get it a little smoothed out here? <laughs> yeah. So you know, I used to think in my earlier days, you know, you want a company, you want to have great pricing and you want to have great products and you want to have, you know, sexy office and blah, blah, blah. And ultimately... None of that matters if you can't get loans done and you piss off your customers or your referral partners, you know, because the stuff that it's stuff you can't control. And so it needs to already be in place. It needs to be efficient and it needs to be super, super valuable to that company. Right. And that's good advice, though, for anybody who's looking for somewhere where they're going to hang their license is basically they don't get seduced by the sexy office if you can't get the loans approved you're not going to get paid. Therefore, the sexy office is not going to matter as much as the people you surround yourself with. Yeah. And you can have the coolest, weirdest products in the world, but if you can't get them done, they're not helpful to you. Right. Um, you might have the best rates in the world, but again, if you can't get loans done quickly, efficiently, 
none of that matters, <laughs> you know? Right. That's good. So I also noticed talking to loan officers that there seems to be kind of three parts of the business. There's kind of leads, there's the team, and then there's the systems that kind of hold it all together. So I just want to ask you, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about each of those things. So you've been in the business for a while. Where do you get the majority of your business from? I would say I'm, I'm at about 25 to 30% past clients. So just past clients coming back through my database. What kind of things are you doing for them to remember you? Because it seems like my experience has been some people just sort of love them and leave them and forget about them. So does your company take care of that or do you take care? How does that work? I actually do. I'm super psycho about my database and it being tight and that everyone in there is consistently contacted. I send stuff, you know, twice a month via email it's all very relevant and timely stuff. It's it's good content and people really like it. I have a pretty a very low unsubscribe rate and you know just staying in front of people consistently is something I know that loan officers struggle with, but like of all the things I struggle with, that's not one of them. <laughs> okay, good. So you you get 25% comes from you said past clients. Where would the other? I'd say probably the majority of the rest would be realtors and builders and then I would say probably 50 to 60% realtor. And then I do some builder stuff. But realtors are my biggest referral source. However, my biggest conversion, my best, like when I get past clients come in or past client referrals, like where they send their friends, the conversion of those client, those leads into actual loans is the highest. Right. When your friend sends them, you know, or your family member. It's, you get borrowed trust when they someone comes to you from a friend and they, friend, they trust their friend. So now how about your team? So how is that structured in terms of like, you have obviously some people that help you. So what do they do? And yeah, what are their kind of roles that they play? Yeah. So because I run the branch and I'm not just doing my business, I'm supporting other loan officers too. I got to have people that if, you know, I get stuck doing other stuff all day can pretty much run the show. So I have two girls that handle leads and pre-approvals, like pre-qualified, pre-approved. They collect documents I try to meet every person face-to-face -face or have a scheduled phone call with every client. So they put all those in my calendar and prep me for those calls. And then they give weekly updates on all of our files to realtors and clients. They're very customer-facing and, you know, all my realtors and clients will know them. And then I have two girls that handle contract to close. So they process and um, submit the file to underwriting and closing. So you basically would have a, a pre-approval or a, a lead would come in, one of your um, a loan partner twos would pick that up, basically take the application, get the thing started. And then at some point you kind of move in there to like solidify the relationship, make sure that you have a good plan. And then when does, is that, am I, uh, am I following this correctly so far? Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So one of the biggest things that they do, my, I call them loan managers, but you could say they're kind of a hybrid between a loan partner one and a loan partner two in that they take files, you know, from lead all the way through technically through closing in some way, they, they're still involved. Mm -hmm. But uh, they assess the need. Like, what do you need? When do you need it? Where'd you come from? They know immediately. Like, if it's a VIP person, you know, or if it's a funky scenario, I'm going to need to be the one to do the call. I'm going to need to be the one to look at the docs. I'm, you know, they're really good at assigning, you know, things to me and making sure that I'm, like, highest and best use of my time. It's something like a, you know, a past client that just wants to refinance and it's pretty simple and straightforward. Then, you know, they sometimes, you know, I just have the call with, to talk about rate and really they handle the rest. So they're, they're really, really good about doing that initial needs assessment. Okay. And we are very much, I mean, we all sit right next to each other. So 
we divide and conquer every morning. We have a team meeting every day and like, what's your top three? And it's nice because we're pretty interchangeable in a lot of ways. We can, we can all talk to people. We can all pre-approve. We, it's like a volleyball team, right? It is. We very, very much is. Yeah. But we rotate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, and you rotate. Okay. So that's really interesting. And so what would you think per the average file? How much time do you, are you actually involved in it? I know a lot of your job is out actually building the business, but how much in the files do you think you spend? If it's a tricky one, which I'm, I love the tricky ones, which is weird, but it's from your processor days, you're just like, Oh, this is fun. How can I, it's like a puzzle, right? It's like, Oh, it's, this is real janky. I'm going to, I need, I need to dig into this one. I would say probably 25% to 35% of my time is spent on files. But, but I'm saying if a file, so if you close a file, would you spend an at like two hours on a file on average? Probably over the course of gosh, it really ranges. It could be an hour. It could be 12 hours. Mm -hmm. Just depends on the file. Yeah, I probably average two to three hours per file. With Since I meet with them face-to-face, -face, I go over rates with them and go over programs. And then once they go under contract, sometimes they come in again. So I would say probably three hours, you know, on average. Okay. So then in terms of the third thing I talked about, was there was obviously leads, there's teams, there's systems. So on the system side, how do you guys not lose things or miss things? Like, what do you guys do there? Well, we have a like a shared, it's just a Google uh, sheet that is our lead tracker. And it's every time a lead comes in, I mean, everyone has it open on their computer all the time. We put where it came from, what date, and then we measure. So at any given point, I can pull it up, tell you how many leads we have, how many pre-approvals we have, how many deals we have. And that's a system I learned in my co the coaching program that I graduated from in November was track everything, track everything, track everything. It was hard at first to figure out, okay, how do you do this in a way that, because you can't just have a spreadsheet that you email back and forth, right? Mm -hmm. It's got to be something everyone can access and edit. And it's at least like at a quick glance, you know where you are. So that's how we do it. And it's worked out well. Okay, so that's pre-contract. So then once it's live, how do you guys manage the files? Yeah, so the same document that has the leads once they are transactions they just move to a different sheet and you know it says who's assigned to that loan for you know going forward but then once it actually is a loan really we're running reports from our los from encompass but we're still putting notes in our lead tracker our you know loan tracker just so again you don't have to log into encompass to see what's been done on a loan. It, it's the high points are going in this thing that we can all see and we know who's assigned to each one. It's worked well for us. We have systems in place where on every single active loan, things happen. We know who does what. Every Tuesday we call and give updates on every file. And thankfully the, my, the two girls who run my team are like the most organized human beings you've ever met. And if I didn't have them, this would not work mm -hmm. <laughs> because they are so incredibly organized and they give me like my assignments for the day, which is perfect because I was left to my own, assign my own things. You know, God only knows I would be like processing files and right. They set the ball for you, right? They do. They do. Yeah. They're like you go hit this. Like, yes, they do. And it's perfect because if you hire people that are exactly like you, things will not work. You've got to hire people who who have the skills you don't have mm -hmm. or the skills that you just aren't the best. Like I can be organized, but with all that I have to do, having somebody who kind of keeps me in line and holds me accountable, mm -hmm. they have to hold me way more accountable than I have to hold them. Right. Like, they are on it 
And that's huge. Good. So I want to ask you about the coaching because we had talked about this sort of offline as well. So tell me about the coaching program. What's a couple of things that you had picked up from the coaching that had, has really made a big difference in your business? Tracking was one. Uh, the other one is basically with relationships, really going deeper in your relationships and going kind of like better, not bigger. So you build a list, a VIP list of like your 50 people that whether they're referral partners or past clients or family members or whatever, those people, like you're calling them on a regular basis. You send them a birthday gift. You send them an anniversary gift. The same thing with your top realtors, you know, go deeper with them, invite them to your house for dinner. Just rethinking that, hey, these people, be in a relationship with these people and it really drives you into more so working with people that you like and working with people that you like makes your job that much more enjoyable and that much more fulfilling. And so really paying attention more and building those lists and making those extra efforts and that, you know, to wow those people and stay connected to them was a huge takeaway for me. And I feel like it gets me like, I like now I'm coaching some other people. And that's one of the first things I tell them is make these lists Mm -hmm. because it's amazing when you look back, like how many loans you do that you can tie back to that list. So you got your top 50 sort of client, like these are people that are just centers of influence that are not necessarily realtors. And then what about how big of a realtor list would you, did they recommend? 40. So they're top 40 realtors and they could be, you know, they're kind of A, B, C, D, like your A realtors are people who are sending you business consistently. You know, you close at least, you know, 12 transactions a year, that sort of thing. And then you go all, you know, down all the way to people who don't send you that much or don't do that much, but you like or people that you're really trying to work with that you're targeting. So the coaching group you had told me was the core. So I, I can say that, right? And so how do you graduate from the core? Because I did, I thought it was like, I honestly thought it was just like something you did forever. So how did that work? And then the second question I want to ask you about is what sort of like, they're very systematic in terms of, you know, how often you need to contact these different lists. So that's my two questions. Yeah. So they say that you have to call 40 realtors every Monday. So that list of realtors, are literally, that's part of the program. You're supposed to call 40 every Monday. I will tell you, I do not do that. It's not my jam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's It works for some people. I'm going to point anything in my business where I want to call the realtors I like or realtors that I really want to work with. And if that's five or if it's two or if it's none, I mean, like, I feel like of all the calls that you're supposed to make on the, on the regular, <laughs> the realtor ones are the list that I do a lot with my realtors. I'm in contact with them all the time, but I do not call 40 realtors every Monday. Right. Okay. And then there's the, then calling 10 from your VIP every week, which should be pretty easy, right? That's because you're calling your friends, your favorite realtors, your past client that you love. So those are pretty natural and easy. And that's how, like my thought is I want to talk to people I like. And you call 10 of those a week. What is there a certain day of the week that you make these calls on? Do you have them like themes? The core gives you theme days. Like you should call these people this day, these people this day, these people this day. I don't do it that way. I just make sure I make the calls because I want to call someone when I'm, you know, if I'm driving the car and I'm like have a few minutes, I'm going to just call them. Right. You know, if I'm sitting at my desk, whereas if I'm sitting in here and I have loans to work on, you know, stopping to call someone, I'm not going to be as engaged. So I'm really more of a, when I move to do it, I do it. And, you know, it's always intentional. I want to stay connected, all that kind of stuff. Tuesdays is we call every Tuesday updates where we call both agents on every deal and the clients to give updates. 
we are 100% consistent with that one. Mm-hmm. And that one's awesome. People love it. People love when you call them to give them a status proactively as opposed to them having to be like, hey, what's up on this loan? We're like, they get to, they all know they're going to get a call on Tuesday. That's been a, our best implementation of the call schedules. And then on Fridays, we call pre-approved people, all the pre-approvals to say, hey, are you going shopping for houses this weekend? We tell them who's on weekend duty because the three of us rotate. Oh, that's pretty clever. So you may not have to make all those pre-approval calls. It might be someone in your team calling as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I don't make the pre-approval calls unless they assign them. And so they say, you need to call, like, th- these are your calls. They just tell me what to do. Right. It's kind of like whoever's been handling their pre-approval, if it's primarily been Jamie or it's primarily been Becca, you know, th- that's who's going to call and say, hey, if you're going shopping this weekend, FYI, Melanie's on weekend duty. So if you need a pre-approval letter, they know to email the team. But if they need to contact someone, it's going to be me. And then our out of office will say, Melanie's on duty this weekend, you know. Right. That's a good way to do it because then you can still provide the service and it's not like every weekend you are, you're on, you know, 24 seven. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. How do you answer this? And somebody says, what does a loan officer do? Like, how do you answer that? Well, I think that the way I approach being a loan officer is sort of that like doctor, nurse, like that's how I explain my team is like a doctor, nurse, lab technician type setup. Mm-hmm. I'm I, there's a reason I have a license and a reason that you know I've been successful in this business, and that's because I know how to put loans together. I know how to delegate and build a team, which in turn means I know how to deliver a world class experience. Right? When you approach it that way, I, hey, I'm the doctor, and my skill set is I'm gonna sit down with you. I'm gonna figure out what your goals are with your loan. I approach that as more of like a, not just a mortgage person, but as a, like a true financial advisor, like someone says, comes in, they say, okay, I want to put 20% down. You know, I don't just say, okay, cool. Yeah. Here's what your, here's your rate. I'm like, okay, well let's talk about that. You know, why do you want to put 20% down? You know, maybe if I, if that's like all their money. So it's more of a consultative approach, right? Definitely a consultative approach. And like, let's maybe we, if, it'd be better if we like paid some of this other stuff off and, freed up some cash. And I really try to approach it as like a, as an expert and as someone looking out for more than just this transaction, mm-hmm. you know, building that relationship with people, you know, that's the best use of my time is building trust and showing that I am an expert and I am, you know, and I'm different than if you go to Joe Schmo loan officer at any of these other places, that's not how you'll, you'll be treated. Right. So I'm going to move to some rapid fire questions. Now these you okay. can just answer with shorter answers if you like. So what's the number one thing holding back most loan officers from being successful? Consistency. And what is the number one thing that's made you successful? Consistency. That's that's pretty. Uh, and then what's one software app that you can't live without? Like what's something that you just love? Flowify. So explain what you use it for. I use it for client document collection and file updates, automated updates on all the milestones, which go out to every all the interested parties on a transaction, you know, with a click of a button, appraisal's been ordered, files been submitted underwriting. And then of course our realtors can go in and generate pre-approval letters within the, the system. It's sort of our borrower realtor portal. It's very user-friendly. It's totally changed my business. Mm-hmm. And it allows us to automate the stuff that should be automated. Right. So that someone doesn't have to actually do physically do that every time you're using right. software to sort of yes. s- speed up that process. That's good. If you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be? Mr. Schmooze. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> I love that one. I think the concept of being a connector is such a powerful one. It sounds like when you say schmooze, it sounds sort of swarmy, but actually the, when you list, when you read the book, you realize the guy just really listens and connects with people. It's not like everybody gets a Starbucks. He, like he's very, 
you know, deliberate about building relationships. Yes. It's like he knows that this person's name and he knows their family. He knows where they went to school and they need a CPA. Oh, I know a great one. Like it's truly about always being thinking about being a connector, not always thinking, where can I get my next loan? It's like, how can I add value to others and be present and be mindful of those around me? And this goes back to your quote, we rise by lifting others. The same thing. It's the same theme. It is a quick read. And, you know, there's another one called Whiteboard. Whiteboard. Okay. I haven't heard that one. So this is my last question. Uh, remember the movie Back to the Future? I do. So I remember the car, the DeLorean. So if I could put you in the DeLorean and I could send you back to your first day as a loan officer and you could you could sit down and say, Melanie, you listen to me, Melanie, you need to listen. You need to do these three things. What things would you tell yourself to have a better, bigger business today? I would say always do events, always be in front of groups, be in seeking to train or, or educate realtors. I do trainings all the time. It's the best way to show that, you know, give them value on a topic that, you know, they need to know about. It's, you know, an hour of your time, you get to connect with them, they get to see that you're competent, and you stay in front of them. It's not super salesy. It's just, it's, it's essential. Like it's the, be it's the most important thing I do. Mm -hmm. And so I, I used to, I did, I did it before, but it wasn't like I was making sure I did it this many times a week or this many times a month or this many places. So being deliberate about making sure you are in front of groups of people, telling them about what's going on in the business or helping them improve the way they run their business. It doesn't always have to be mortgage related, right? Like mm -hmm. if it could be work your database or technology tips or whatever. So that would be one. The database one is huge. I mean, I was pretty consistent with that from the get-go, but when you're just starting, if your database, if you start strong and you are consistent and you keep up with it, you know, the larger it gets, it's it's just already natural and you're it's automatic that you're doing it and it will serve you very, very well. The other thing I would say is be, you know, seek to always seek to improve, like read guidelines, stay in the mud. Like mm -hmm. no matter how many people you get on your team or how much you grow, you still have to know how to do loans. You, you have to stay relevant and, you know, you can't ultimately the reason you're, you're the doctor is that, you know, you read the medical journals, you know, what's happening, right? Stay relevant, always be learning, always be improving yourself. That's awesome. And so where can people find you online? Uh, they can find me online, MelanieTaliaFarrow.com. And I'm also Mel Does My Mortgages on Facebook. Mel Does My Mortgages on Instagram. That's probably the best place to connect with us because we like to be silly and do videos. And my website is pretty much, you know, do you want a mortgage? Whereas everything else is like, hey, let's let's be friends. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Well, anybody listening, check out the show notes and we'll have links to everything that we talked about, including Melanie's site and her social stuff. Melanie, I really appreciate your time today, and I really hope you continue to crush your business. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it. It was a pleasure, and yeah, we'll talk again soon, I hope. We will. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, please head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. If you do, you'll get three deals in the next week. Okay, that's not entirely true, but we'd really appreciate it. Also, you can check out everything at ilovemortgagebrokering.com. See you next week.